So today, what we're going to talk about, we're going to be in uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. And there's some very interesting things in this passage. When you first read it, you might not find it, you might not see it, or you just look over it. But there's a ton of stuff going on here. Because uh, Peter is writing a second letter, and he's writing a second letter for the exact reason that we see in this passage. And I titled it, uh, this, this passage today, Let Me Remind You. Let me remind you. And if, if you look in 12 through 15, uh, you will see in uh, three of the four verses, he is saying, I'm reminding you, I'm reminding you, I'm reminding you. And you know, as parents, we tell our children, right, if, if they go to leave the house or they go to do something, and then we remind them. And, and as, a, as a kid, we're like, I know, you've told me a hundred times. And then as a parent, we're like, yeah, but it hasn't sunk in yet. So I'm going to tell you 101, right? Amen. <laughs> and the kid leaves going, and the parent leaves going, and it's like, oh my goodness, right? So Peter here, he's like, listen, hey, I'm reminding you, this is a reminder. I'm reminding you, this is a reminder. Hey, let me remind you. And you would think, wow, this is so redundant but he's not. I was looking some, some facts up about people retaining what they hear. And it says, research has shown that within, within one hour, that means not an hour, but within that hour, within one hour after hearing a spoken message, people forget up to 90% of it. So I'm not going to waste my time today. God bless you guys. We're gonna... <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I read that and I thought, wow, that is not encouraging at all. Uh, but then I also see where Jesus is like, let me tell you again. Paul's like, let me remind you. And Peter's like, let me remind you. And Jude said, let me remind you. And the prophet said, let me remind you. And, and if you, if you, when you read some of the passages, uh, they're very repetitive. And, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you just said this in the last chapter, and now you're saying it again in this chapter. And the reality is uh, people are, are, are slow. Uh, and, and I mean that respectfully because all of us are slow. Amen? We hear it, we're like, yep. Or you'll be here and I will preach just the absolute best sermon you've ever heard in your life. And, uh, and you're like, yeah, you've been moved and motivated, and you in your chair, you're like, boy, I go home, I'm, I'm, I'm changing, I'm going to do all that. And by the time you get home, you forgot that you were at church. And so God knew, listen, it is going to take a long time and many times of repetitive. But look here, if you will, open your Bibles to Second Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Second Peter chapter 1, 12 through 15. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. It says, yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, this earthly body, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. He's, he knows his death is near. 
Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. And, and so he's careful to ensure I'm writing this letter so you always have the reminder. And, uh, and as we go through this, it's, you're going to see, guys, um, we need to remember. Remember. You know, James even says that there's people that look in the mirror and forget who and walk away and immediately forget who they are, meaning that they forget what they know, they forget what they should do, they forget. It's just like you look in the mirror and you're like, oh man, I'm a wretched sinner. And then you walk away and you forget everything and you go and you live your life. That's what James is talking about. And I find it uh, interesting because uh, in, the last, in the last two weeks, as a matter of fact, I was, I was talking to someone on the PAT team uh, this morning. And in the last two weeks, I've dealt with three people that want to commit suicide. And what I often realize very quickly in every instance, because this year alone, so we're in, we're in August now. Oh my goodness, we're in August. Um, this year alone, I, I can name eight people that I've dealt with dealing with suicide. And in every instance, in every instance, uh, as we say, talking them off the ledge, in every instance, all I got to do is remind them. Remind them of truth. Remind them of who they are. Remind them of who loves them. Remind them of the abilities they have. Remind them that they're important. Remind them that, man, they can make a difference in life. Remind them that they've got their focus off of, off of God and off of the things that are important, and they put their focus completely on themselves. And when it's completely on ourselves, we, we, we lose the reality of what God put us here for. In every instance, and I'm telling you, in every instance, and, and then I went back even further because, uh, listen, suicide and the thoughts of suicide uh, are, are, are rampant today. As a matter of fact, suicide for 13 to 18-year-old females is the number one cause of death in America right now. The number one cause. And I think the reason it is is because we are in... We're in a society today, like our, our whole mentality in society is just absolutely draining because we make everything about us instead of about the Lord. We, we really forget our passion or, or if you don't know Jesus, you, you have no clue of who, of what your identity is because you put it in yourself or you put it in uh, what social media puts out as, as right. And, and it's like, oh my goodness, listen, if, if I had to keep up with uh, uh, people on social media, um, I would want to commit suicide. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? Because it's almost an impossible thing to do because what, what people fail to realize is there's very little truth on social media. And then we sit back and we focus on that, wishing our life was that good. And in reality, the people on social media is probably wanting to commit suicide. And we just need to be reminded that we're made in God's image. We need to be reminded that we are precious and valuable, so valuable that God the Father sent his most, most precious possession, his son Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and me. He took, he took his son's life and sacrificed it. 
for us. See, when God the Father looks at us without Jesus, and in the reality, every one of us, here's what we deserve. We deserve judgment. We deserve death and hell, and we deserve, uh, to be quite honest, but every one of us in here deserve a beating, right? Like, I'm just saying, uh, spiritually speaking, we deserve everything that Jesus took. Because before Jesus, God sees us as absolute sinful people. But once we receive Christ, God sees us as his son Jesus. Not that we're God, but my point is that now we're a child of his. And he doesn't see us in our wretched state anymore. He sees us as his child whom he loves and chastises and gives good gifts to and protects and blesses. Like we get all this stuff because now we're in a relationship with God the Father through the death and the beating of Jesus Christ, his son. And then Jesus went through everything that we should have went through, and now we get to go through what Jesus should have always went through. You understand what I'm saying? And, and the whole reason, guys, that you are struggling, because if you remember last week, Peter said, if you practice these seven things, you won't stumble. You won't stumble. And stumbling simply means you're not going to sin and you're not going to practice in sin and you're not going to dwell on sin and you're not going to jump into sin because if you practice these seven things, he says, you won't stumble because you're going to have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you're going to live in that and you're going to live it out. But as you see what Peter is doing here, he's reminding us of the value of life, the urgency He's reminding us of faithfulness. And then at the end in 14 and 15, uh, he's going to remind us of the brevity of life. This is your reminder. There's no, there's no need to check out. There's no need to give up. I, and when I deal with people in suicide, that's, they're like, I just want to give up. I just want to give up. And I have to remind them, guys, I'm in the same fight that you're in. Granted, the names and the faces might be different, but I'm in the same fight. And if you look around at every human being on earth, they're all in the same fight. They're battling something that's trying to take them down, and that's Satan. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. So let me encourage you to hang in there as my friend Robbie Carroll would say, like a hair in a biscuit. It's gross, but it doesn't go anywhere. And let me help you, hopefully today, to change your focus. That you get your focus off of you and put it on God. Because see, when we look up, we see truth. When we look up, we get our identity. 
When we look up and look up to God, we, we regain who God made us to be. God knew that people needed reminding. Look here in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. <clears throat> this is what he said to Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. That word diligently literally is nonstop. 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 You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. It's nonstop. It's it just, it, listen, talking of the things of God and teach them of the things of God should never end. And the reason that we get derailed is because it has ended. Teaching children has ended. Taking time to communicate has ended. We, we listen, fair, how many have ever watched Cool Hand Luke? Cool Hand, nice. The rest of you, you don't know what you're missing. But in Cool Hand Luke, <clears throat> the warden is a prison show, movie. But the warden uh, has just punished uh, Luke for being disobedient. We'll, we'll just keep it simple. And he looks at the rest of the prisoners after, after they have uh, uh, punished Luke, and they said, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Literally, that's even the tone. I mean, I, everything. And I'm going to tell you guys, what we have in life today is a failure to allow God to communicate to us. And then we fail to communicate clearly, clearly to others. And then what we end up with is the generation we have, the world we have, the America we have. Listen, it's, it's just a constant uh, 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 vomiting of sin. It's like, bleh, it's just everywhere. It's horrible. What happened? we weren't diligent to continue to teach. And not only that, but we weren't diligent to continue to learn. And we just, we go, we get derailed. And, and this is why God says, be diligent to teach your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. He's talking about the word of God. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate so that on the, on the gate is coming in, the doorpost is coming into the house, is coming into your yard, is leaving. It's, I'm telling you, it needs to be everywhere. And we fail to do that. And when we fail to do that, we fail to be reminded of God's truth and God's desire for us. And then we think when we look at the world that that's what God wants for us. We, we, just, we just lose sight. And then what happens? We get so depressed that we want to take our own life. Guys, do you understand the value of what God is telling Israel here? If you make this your life, your life will be grand. And what's crazy is, is there are people that look at me, including Christians. Boy, I use that term so lightly anymore because I'm, I'm, I wonder if half the people I know that say they're Christian, if they're actually Christian. I met a guy the other day, and, and he said, he said, uh, my, my brother's a Christian. I'm a Christian, and my brother's a Christian. 
And in my brain, I immediately went, because I, at first I got excited when he said, I'm a Christian. And then he said, and, and, and my, my brother's a Christian. And I went, who? I know who he is. Either you don't know who he is or you don't understand what a Christian is. I went to Brattleboro the other day. I'm passing everywhere I'm going is, 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 is rainbow flags on churches. And then I was talking to Keith and Lauren, and Keith was like, man, we were up in Maine. Everywhere we looked, he's like, I saw rainbow flags in front of churches. You know why? Because they need to be, they forgot, they need to be reminded what the Word of God says. Because somebody's not teaching truth. And what I'm saying is when we fail to learn, sin creeps in, we lose focus, then we lose understanding, and then we lose sight, and then we struggle, and then our life gets complicated. And then when we're complicated here, and we're not seeking God, you know what we do? We complicate other people's lives. And usually we complicate the lives of those closest to us. Because when we can't control ourselves, it spews out like, like an acid. And it just eats up everything we're around. And then what do we do? We pollute. We pollute those we love the most. Why? Because we're not in the Word of God. We're not living the Word of God because we forget. So in spite of all the warnings uh, to Israel, here's what they did. They had a great memory of the wrong things and a poor memory for God's truth. But Israel was like, hey, remember, remember when Israel, God calls them out of Egypt? That's the Exodus. And, and so he's crossing over. We got Pharaoh's army hot on their trail, man. And, and they want to kill him. And God protects them uh, with clouds and fire and so on and so forth. And then the next day, God opens the Red Sea. He parts it. Now, just to give you an understanding, they tried to estimate the, the distance of that for that many people that were estimated to be uh, uh, coming out of Egypt, uh, what it would have taken for, it was a couple of million people, what it would have taken uh, for them to get across at a de in a decent time frame that the Bible allows them to cross, that says that they're crossing. And they estimated that, the, that God would have had departed the Red Sea about a mile. So if you divide that in half, you got a half mile on each side. It's easy math. And so you divide it. Now you have a half mile wall of water on both sides of you. Okay, I don't know about you, but I might be like, let me get through this. And it, or is that just me? Right? Because yeah. I'm thinking... If if God sneezes, man, it's over. This is like like we're gonna we're done. Like we're we got two million people that's just gonna get washed out to sea. It's, this is gonna be ugly. And so he divides it. On the third day after they cross, God sneezes, whoosh, kills the okay, he doesn't sneeze, he just releases the water. So don't take that literal. At any rate, it kills Pharaoh's army. They all cross safely. This is good. A miracle has just happened. Three days later, one, two, three. This is Sunday. By Tuesday, they forgot. They forgot. 
They look at Moses and they say, you brought us out here to kill us. We had it way better back then. Dude, it's only been three days. You go camping longer than that. They forgot how God protecting the, uh, protected them coming across. They forgot. Christian, I think we forget. I think we forget God's goodness and his protection and how he takes care of us. And so he tells them, and then you know what? Their memory just fades for some odd reason. I mean, I remember, I think it's Korah, right? Where God opens the land. On... So you have Korah and 250 men in Israel. They're all going up against Moses. Moses comes out and he prays in front of Israel. So Israel can hear the prayer. God, if it's me, then judge me. But God, if it's them, judge them. I simplified the prayer. All of a sudden, Korah and the 250 ungodly men that was following Korah, who was ungodly, they were all standing there together. And God, where they stood, opened the land. They dropped down into it, the earth. He closed it up like it had never been touched. And they all died. Not even 24 hours later, not even, because the Bible says, excuse me, the Bible says the next morning, the next morning, half day. So let's just say that that happened about, oh, let's just say it happened about two o'clock or noon. We'll give it noon, just noon. Why not noon? That's a good time. The next morning, they look at Moses and they said this. Now, now, mind you, let me remind you of Moses' prayer. If I'm unrighteous, deal with me. If they're unrighteous, deal with them. And then we'll know. The next morning, after the earth opens, I don't know about you, but I'm just thinking, if the, if the, if the earth opened up, people dropped in and it closed up after that prayer, I'm thinking... Lord, forgive me. I am a sinner. Lord, save me. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, might, it just might jack me up just a little bit mentally. Might put a little fear in me. I don't, am I the only one or anybody else with me on this, right? The next morning, the Bible says, the next morning they went to Moses and said, you killed the righteous men. The next morning, take a nap, wake up. Oh, Moses is a killer. I mean, like, how do you, how do you get there? Except for you forget. Now, in my mind and in your mind, you're like, I'd never forget that. Really? What are some of the amazing things God's done in your life and you've forgotten? And now you're down on God, you're down on life, or you just walked away. We forget. What about our salvation? Have you forgotten the day that you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? 
Did, have you forgotten that day when he delivered you? I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm going on 30 years. As a matter of fact, I think this October, is this October 30 years for me? I'm looking at you, babe. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, next. Yeah, next. Next, because it, it was 1994. So next year, next year will be 30 years that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to tell you this. I can't get enough of him. And I'm 30 years in. Because the last thing I want to do is forget. Now, there are days, and it's not that I forget. It's just that I looked in the mirror and went, I think you need to do such and such today. That's a good thing for you. And the Holy Spirit goes, no, it isn't. And I look at myself and go, I didn't hear anything. Did you hear anything? No. And then I go, anybody else? Amen, right? It's not that we forget. We're just blatantly. But people forget. Listen, uh, Hebrews 12, 5. Hebrews, because uh, believers tend to remember things that are better off forgotten. And we hold on to things that... So then you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. That's children of God. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. That's a sign that, that you're his and he loves you. But we have this tendency to focus on things uh, that we need to forget, and then we forget the things that need to be remembered. And, and I'm just going to tell you, even Paul says, Paul says, listen, I am going for the goal. I forget those things in the past. But you know what some of us do? We just keep going back in the past and keep saying, oh, I, want, I wonder what my friend on Facebook is doing today. Let me see. And then you're like, oh, they look better than they did in high school. Oh, I remember I was fond of them then. Ah, mm. Let me just say hello. It, <laughs> we go back to the past for one reason, to destroy our future. And Paul says, I forget the things of the past. They're done. They're gone. It's over. My focus is on Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, my Father in heaven, creator of the universe. That back there means nothing. What he's got, that's everything. In Africa, they say that there's a monkey, and they don't use nets to catch him. As a matter of fact, they just walk up. I, I'm not going to walk up anyway because I don't want you to think I'm, you're a monkey. Anyway, but they just walk up. And, and they, just, they just pick him up. They'll put a net over him and then just pick him up and walk on. A wild monkey. And he'll, he's like, you know, whatever that monkey does. And, he's, and they just and walk on. All they do is they cut a hole in a gourd. And they'll put food in that gourd. They'll hollow it, cut a hole, and they'll put food in it, and they mount it so it can't be moved. 
and the monkey will come in because he'll sense the food. And he comes in and he goes in like that. You know how you, you get your, and his hand will fit going in. And he reaches in and grabs a handful of whatever goodies they put in there. And then he tries to pull it out. But he's got to let go of the goodies to get his hand out. And even at the risk of his capture, his imprisonment, his freedom, the joy of what he loves to do, he will refuse to let go of the goodies. He refuses. And he can't get his hand out. And they just walk up because they know the monkey's never going to let go. And they just walk up, put a net over him, take him. And he surrendered his life over the very thing that he wouldn't let go of. He had the choice and the freedom to release it, pull his hand out and run. And he chose not to do it. And some of you sitting here today, you're making the same choices. You're holding so tight to your past, to your sin, and, 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 and Satan's a, a big and he's powerful. And he'll take us down because we refuse to let go of the very thing that kills us. And I'm talking anything, everything. And, and, I, and I counsel people when people say, well, pastor, you don't understand. Because remember, I live in this bubble. I'm bubble boy. Uh, I'm not exposed to any dangers of the world. Pastor, you don't understand. I can't. And, and I go, well, now I understand. <laughs> you just told me the problem. You're not willing. You're not willing to let go. Let me, let me remind you what Jesus did. He freed you. People would say, oh, I can't, listen, I can't, you know, I can't forgive myself. And you walk in guilt constantly. And that guilt causes you to do really brutish things. And I'll say, what? Why? What's wrong? You know God forgave you. Why are you carrying this guilt? I can't forgive myself. Let me remind you, God's forgiveness is far greater than yours. And when you say you can't forgive yourself, what you're really saying is, Jesus, I appreciate your forgiveness, but it doesn't carry the value and the weight that my forgiveness carries. And so your forgiveness doesn't matter until I can forgive me. That's what you just said. And then we keep walking in because we, we forgot. We forgot. We forgot. Satan didn't keep the fist balled up to hold on to the whatever it was that we couldn't escape. He just simply put the bait there. And we think, oh, Satan, Satan's got me. No, no, you got you. 
in a really bad place and you're giving him permission to keep you there. Let me remind you, Jesus says that when you have the son, you have, you're free and you're free indeed. Why is it that we don't remember? Here's what happens. And I'm, as, a, as a pastor, and by the way, Peter was called to be a pastor. And next week when we actually get into this passage, you're, you're going to see a pastor's heart. As a pastor, he was loving them and reminding them and trying to help them. As a pastor, I can stand up here and preach all day long. And it's so funny because there's sometimes I'm up here preaching and I see some of you sitting there and I'll say some things and I get this. <sighs> and I'm thinking to myself, you're the problem. You, you, got, you got a serious spiritual problem. A serious spiritual problem. If you're coming through that door and you're dreading it, you're, you're spiritually in trouble or not right with God, which is spiritually trouble. If you're not excited to open this up and hear the things of God and read the things of God, you got a huge problem. And here's the problem. You're not letting go of your false God. And you're imprisoned. And my goal is to remind you, you don't have to be. If you're doing something and it's destroying your life or someone else's life, that's not of God. You, you don't have to stay there. And then I'll get this. Well, pastor, you don't understand. If I don't do such and such, they'll leave. You're a prisoner. You need to stop. And if you choose to live godly and they choose to leave and be ungodly, then that's on them. But you got to choose what's right. Because let me help you. If you stay in there and you don't let go, you don't let go of that which is killing you, it will kill you. And worse than that, and you go, really, what's worse than that? When you don't let go of your sin, you know who usually gets killed first? The one you say you love the most. And that's usually family. Guys, I just want to remind you today. You, you don't have to stay there. And you sure enough don't have to, you're not obligated to Satan for anything. And if he's moving you to go against what we clearly see in scripture, that's why, guys, that's why I preach expository. I, I don't want to come in here and give you what I got. I want to come in here and give you what God's word says. Because that's the power. Oh, listen, you know what? There's so many good speakers out there and, and where they can come in and motivate you and they can move you and they can hype you up, but it's like eating a Snickers bar. It might be good for the moment, but it, there's, there's no significance to it. It doesn't last long. And I can come in here and hype you up. Man, I can come in here and motivate you. I can come in here and do all these things. 
but that's me. But if I come in here and I give you this, that's everlasting. Doesn't fade away. The power is here. That's why I preach expository. And I just need to remind you, this is where your freedom is. Here's what I find, and then I'm done with this, which is actually really early. Amen. Praise Jesus. Here's what I find. When people leave the church, and I'm just saying the church in general, not, not necessarily this church, but any church. And then I'll go talk to them or other pastors have went and talked to them. And they're like, pastor, you just don't understand right now. Um, I just, I just need a break from church. I'm trying to get my life together. <laughs> and then I usually look at him and go, did you just hear you? You left that which is mind, heart, life changing. You left where all the power is. You left the power plant and you left everybody that loves you and wants to be a part of your life. You left the security, the strength, the answer to go into the world to find what you already had. And then I see the exact reverse happen. And until you seek the power of Christ, you'll never break the hand grip of Satan. And he will take you wherever he wants to go. Not where you want to go, but where he wants to go. And I always find that people who have left the church and who have done that, their life usually gets a much bigger wreck. They start getting out of control. They start becoming more abusive to the ones they love, to anyone they come in contact with because the attitude's not right. But of course, in front of strangers, we're like, hey, life is great. And I'm like, yeah. We get home, we're like, you got the problem. What is your... You can't walk away from God because he'll drag you where you don't want to go. And he'll keep you there if he can. And the only way, the only way to be delivered is to remember the release is in Jesus Christ. The power is in Jesus Christ. And just like when Peter was drowning, remember in the storm? He was walking on water. He took his eyes off of Jesus. And the Bible says, immediately he started to sink. And then he says this, Lord, save me. And the Bible says, Jesus immediately, and if you look up the word immediately in that, literally was in, in the twinkling of an eye. Grabbed him and pulled him up. He saved him from drowning. Not salvation, he was already there. He saved him from drowning. And then he says this to Peter. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? 